Radio. This is your host, Super Bing Brian. I'm joined by Stole Something That Hasn't Given It Back, S. <laughs> I'm a stealer. I love stealing. What's up, guys? And David D. You both up there? Hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you sound so excited. So, I'm tired. It was, it's been a long, it was a long week. Oh, you, we okay. The conversation, I'm tired. <laughs> we haven't done, we haven't done a topic change during the episode before but i do want to say this this topic today is going to get intense it's going to get really really intense it's going to be are you you know what we plan on talking about are you mentally prepared for it because i'm going to be super enthusiastic and passionate let's do it okay okay so i'm just going to say it this way we're going to be talking about a lot of things but we're going to be talking about the peasant railgun but first but first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You? The game where we uh, talk about the nerdy things we've done over the past couple weeks, and then we vote using Mike Myler's patented widget system to find out who the who the most nerdy is. The king of the nerds! Oh, oh there's say, the excitement. There's the excitement. I'm going to say, Stolas, you get to go first. So what's nerdy with Damn you? Damn straight, Stolas goes first. <laughs> okay, first, before, before I even get in the conversation of the nerdy thing I did, guess what, guys? I am a new parent again. Yep, that's Whoa. right. About almost two weeks. It's gonna be in two. It's gonna be two weeks soon. No, two weeks today. Oh, it's two weeks today. Today, wow. guys. It was two congratulations. Weeks ago that we congratulations. Had, that we congratulations to Stolas's partner. Woo! So I have a little girl now. Um, that's Aww. why I was like, "Oh, you want to talk about tired?" But no, I'm not going to do that. I hate. Parents I'm that do not that. trying to compare. I'm just no, no. I hate really parents exhausted. that do that. I'm just yeah, no, no, no. I hate parents that do that. I'm just fucking with you. You just you, because you made it, so there was nothing. There's no there. You can you. I don't care if you were like barely functional, tired. I mean, hell, we forgive David for it. So sounds like <laughs> we made it. Sorry. Um. So yeah. But, you know, that's definitely not the nerdy thing I did. Uh, no, the nerdy thing I did is, so I want to try um, to get back into, like, streaming again soon. Uh, I don't know if you guys happen to have watched the, like, H Bomber Guy video that came out recently where he did a whole thing about um, about um, plagiarism. Um, he called out some YouTuber, some pretty big name YouTubers you, for, I, for I, plagiarizing. The people who listen to the podcast will know that I went down this rabbit hole when you brought him up. I, I went down the, the plagiarism rabbit hole with H bomber. Are, are you telling me there's new things that you're going to send? Me no, 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 no. So, so, okay. The thing, so that inspired me to do things differently, like as far as streaming goes. Um, so instead of what I was doing before, which was like, I would kind of do some small minor research and try to do like a stream, like every two weeks, what I want to do now is I want to do something more, a lot more research, you know, more, um, cause a lot of live streamers don't really do like like heavily researched stuff that's more like the the realm of like video essay people um they'll they'll be the ones that do a lot of research and then like they'll do a video like once every three months I so it'll be wanted... like an interactive lecture yeah exactly exactly so college lecture style and basically yeah i want people to 
you know, talk about the thing we're talking about. So to do that, I need to like get stuff to do research. So I got a Kindle to start getting books. So I've been reading a book about a particular topic that I want to cover. And the topic I want to cover is the history of anti-Semitism. Ooh, um, that's wow. <laughs> because, that's a big topic for your first one. Right. Well, it's because it's semi-related to things going on in the world right now. So that's kind of the thing I want to do is I want to do topics about things that are kind of related in like basically related to things that are happening like in the moment, like politically, but aren't I'm, I'm not like live reacting to the thing happening. You get what I'm saying? So something around it. Um, And so due to things happening in the world right now, I'm not going to get too um, specific. Uh, Anti-Semitism is on the rise. And I got really curious and I was like, well, where the fuck does anti-Semitism come from? Like, like what makes people go, yes, this group of people control the world and want to and want to destroy everything. Like, where does that come from? The lust so, for power. <laughs> well, more of like, where does where does the idea that people have about like Jewish people like where does that come from? Where do they get their conspiracies from? So I got a book called um a convenient hatred the history of anti-semitism and yeah i've been reading that that's my nerdy thing reading a book about the history of anti-semitism that's cool that that that's a that's a nerdy thing <laughs> that i like it i like it i it's so heavy of a topic that getting into it is not in our purview but it's i'm make sure we are aware in the discord of your stream schedule so um mm. you know patreon members and us can fit it in if we can but yeah oh, that'd be cool. but, can, you know actually, you know i'm interested in it can i actually tell you guys one thing it's not super crazy political it was just the thing that i was like that i learned that i was like i didn't even think about that but that makes perfect sense sure a lot of where it started at least in the very 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 early days of like like um the jewish people and all that stuff is around this time most people were polytheistic and it was a pretty common occurrence that like if one nation conquered another the people were generally expected to switch their religion and their gods to the to the invading force the idea was kind of like oh well if their gods are so much more powerful they were able to conquer us then they're worth worshiping instead of our old dumb loser gods was kind of thought See, I have a different opinion. My opinion on that is, oh, look, they're coming to they're coming to conquer us. We better worship who they tell us to worship so they won't murder us. <laughs> well, but yeah. that was kind of but that legitimately was a <laughs> common thought. Um, Jewish people were one of the first people in the area to go, no, we believe this one thing, this one deity is the all powerful, all knowing thing. And we're not changing our culture and our religion. I don't care who's in charge. And that made a lot of people at the time pretty uncomfortable. It was like culture shock. No, no other group, had, at least in that region. Uh, like, yeah. obviously the world is big, but at least in that region, they were the first group of people to be like, to put their foot down and be like, no, we're sticking with this guy. And it made everybody else go like, that's fucking weird. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it, it makes so much sense that you could probably like surmise it even without re researching, you know? Right. But but it was one of those things that like I never thought about that. Like, I didn't. Yeah. Think, like... Yeah. It didn't dawn on me either. But it makes it it like, yeah, it totally makes sense. I um yeah. I, I I am greatly, greatly interested in what David's tired ass brain comes up with. That's what I was about to ask. I was like, <laughs> David, what did you do? Uh, I had a really, really rough start to my week. Uh, Monday, it rained harder in Southern California than it has oh in a long God, time. It rained so hard. So I was on my way to work Monday morning, 
And because the rain was uh, enough to flood the streets, it was impossible for me to tell where the road began and the curb ended. And I rammed into the curb with my car and blew a tire. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. I'm sorry. Monday was fun. <laughs> Luckily, I had the, I paid for the insurance on my tires when I bought the tires, so the replacement was free. It just drained like four hours out of my evening. I'm sure there are people that live in other states that are like, what's wrong with rain in California, guys? How could you not see your... Southern your, California, your <laughs> people doesn't people do... It, it never rains here. It's the, similar we, we, to the snow causing huge problems in Portland and people living in places where it snows all the time being like, why is that such a big deal? It's because we don't have the infrastructure to plan yeah. for it. Yeah, and California yeah, has like no drainage. Thing. Yeah. Or SoCal has like no drainage for that. Drainage is not a primary concern when building stuff out here. <laughs> so when it rains that much here we get we get yeah. literally uh, lakes there were there were roads. some areas that got in excess of five inches of rain over the yeah. course of the weekend yeah you're driving that's a lot of water <laughs> it makes you miss the desert huh stolas because because the infrastructure existed where we used to live yeah, yeah um the, yeah the there is there's some infrastructure in like the riverside area sometimes yeah because yeah. of because of all the problems in the 90s they built tons of drainage and mm it doesn't flood like it used to yeah well that's why they concrete lined all the rivers and everything i mean the la river swelled like 12 feet because of all the rain it was insane oh, so did nice. you did you did you do any nerdy stuff or did you just have to it just give up on it the week got in the way well that was that got in the way a lot but um i then bought uh the new uh suicide squad game uh kill the oh, justice I've heard a lot about it it's fun. I'm. I've been playing. I was playing it this morning. That's what I was doing before we started. Nice. I lost track of time. Sorry. I went down some of the controversy about it rabbit hole, and it's like you're inventing controversy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's like honestly really controversy fun. about the game. I haven't it's, heard the it's because the plot of the game. I, it will spoil the game if I reveal it too much. But people, yeah, so I'd I'd rather you don't say anything because I'm uh, playing the game. Okay. Thank you. I was yeah. like, I'm, I don't plan on playing the game, so it's okay. But no, uh, David obviously doesn't want his game spoiled. Yes, please don't. So thank you. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. Uh, also getting ready for Strategicon next weekend. Noise. Okay, Ooh, this is fun. I'm glad that. Oh, next weekend. That's perfect. Oh, great. great President's great, great. Day weekend. Uh, doesn't, I am doesn't land on a podcast weekend. Woo. No, yeah. I am participating in the battle, the 15 millimeter reenactment of the Battle of Shiloh during the American Civil War. On Saturday and then Sunday, I am playing Pathfinder First First Edition. Grant is running the Rubik Phoenix tournament. I'm gonna finally get to play in it. I never have, dude. I'm so curious. What's more nerdy? What do you guys think is more nerdy? Okay, like Civil War reenactments, like where people dress up as the character, as like people and like reenact to themselves, or Civil War model reenactments where you're painting models to reenact. Like, what? Which of these um, is nerdier? It's the difference between vanilla and chocolate. They're both they're both ice cream. For your information, the members of the group I play these games with are Civil War reenactors. So they they double dip, they double dip in the nerd. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. they're it's also World War. Chocolate. They're also World War Two reenactors. Yeah, that doesn't surprise yeah, me. It's crazy. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I was just curious, like which one is nerdier, the model or the or the like live action? Like they're both this. nerdy in their very distinctive ways. Yeah, it's vanilla and chocolate. It's mm -hmm. uh, they're both ice cream. The um the thing and and then you know some people like both, some people prefer one or the other. It's um, they're both very expensive hobbies. There is one thing though. <laughs> yeah, out of all those hobbies, and David will probably agree with me on this, the nerdiest thing are the old guys that do the naval reenactments with the giant ships and the big oh, yeah. those are those are so much fun 
<laughs> all those are so much fun. But yeah, those are oh, they were actually they were actually uh, one of the games I saw. They were playing the they were playing the scale where they were using like 15 feet of floor space for their fighting thing. The model ships were about five inches long. So whatever scale that ended up being in the game was insane. But they were actually measuring the uh, the the alt- altitude uh, uh, angles for when they were firing the guns to determine proper range on That's the shots. Crazy. It was so fucking insane. So today we are recording on February 11, 2024. If you're going to be in the L.A. area, you're listening to this, you're going to be in the L.A. area on President's Day weekend this year. You realize this comes out on Friday, which will be the first day of the con anyways. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> I mean, Feel free, please plug them. But yes, maybe I should um, release the episode early then. Sure. If you're if you're OK with that. Yeah. If I can pull it off. I mean, have, like like our, our Patreon, um, patreon.com slash nerd podcast radio um, <laughs> has a um, has a little thing for the reward for. Um, five dollar patrons uh, you'll get the episode early if it's ready <laughs> <laughs> uh, like yeah that. if you put it out early enough if you want to come say hi i'll be at the con all weekend just you know say say bye i'll i'll say this the patreon episode is always the the five dollar first off it's unedited but second off it's usually unedited um but first it's always uploaded first but it might be uploaded first, and then I immediately do the episode if I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> but you do get priority access. Yeah, I we're, we're humans, people. We we yeah. have other we have lives. I'm sorry. I have a bunch of stuff to share. Um, first off, all right, Brian, what's nerdy with you? Um, Hermitcraft season ten, which Hermitcraft is big Minecraft community. Um, Hermitcraft season ten started last week, and that's been we haven't watched any like TV or anything. Uh, Heather and I have just been watching those. Um, and then um, on top of that, I have been preparing to run. I, I don't remember if I mentioned it. Though. I was going to make this my one nerdy thing, but I think I mentioned the last episode. I went to a new, maybe I didn't. I went to a new um, um, nerd gaming cafe that just opened here in Portland. Okay. And it's, um, I'm going to be running, I'm, I'm tapping my foot back into game organization and I'm going to be running awesome. demos of indie games. Awesome. Yeah. So I've been preparing blades in the dark God, and then so much fun. on top of that, one of my coworkers has a kid who does, um, who does, um, Minecraft building on a build team. Okay. And I'm in conversation to get them on the show. So, awesome. I mean, yeah. Um, fun. um, so we'll, We'll have a we'll have a sixteen year old kid on, but I'm like I want that like cultural difference of the gig economy and like doing that kind of thing when you're in high school instead of mowing lawns is like really really interesting to me. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, and digital building is just such a cool new thing that people get paid to do. And that would be funny. We'd be like, back in my day when I was a kid and I wanted to make money, I worked at the grocery store. And his kid's like, uh, I build shit in Minecraft. The build team stuff they do is like, um, it, I got really interested, but the build team stuff is like, they build the map for like Machinima stuff. Oh, that's cool. Wow, yeah. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Well, that was like shit. one of my dream jobs. My dream jobs, I wanted to be one of the Lego builders at Legoland. Neat. Neat! I, what a cool thing! I always wanted to do that. That that looks like that looks like such an awesome job. I I'm sure it's a, tedious as hell, but 
it looks like it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I watch a guy on TikTok who uh who who's like a Lego land who's like a Lego builder and yeah, no, it does look fun. I I've it's always been a dream of mine to do that someday and I doubt I'll ever get the chance, but Do you watch any of the Lego streams? Uh occasionally. Not I... enough to be able to comment on them much but i'm a patreon a patron on a podcast for a dude who does lego streams every friday his name is nice. joel duggan um you could look up old joel duggan and, it, and um that's actually how i met key kicha who was here last week or okay. last episode okay. awesome um so i guess we're up for voting you um Estolis, you're first um four um yeah, shouldn't give any to myself. I'm gonna definitely give one to David for having such a tough week. That's my pity one. <laughs> no, thank you. I I oh, will take you. I will take the pity widget. I don't. Okay. Uh, sorry, my fiance was leaving to get lunch, so I was responding to them. Um, but yeah, I think then I'll give the three to Brian. Oh, sound pretty wildly nerdy. I really enjoyed hearing about your fun times this week. That's it. That's mine. Nice. I am going to give two to Stolas because you're awesome. I'm going to give Thanks. one to Brian because you're awesome. And I'm going to give one to myself because I deserve my own pity widget. Yeah. Oh, my God. Pity widgets. Oh, my you. God. I am going to give. I'm going to give all four widgets to myself because, you know, <laughs> sometimes you have bad days. And, there you go. You know, it yeah. sucks. There you go. Uh, and also, you know, I'm going to be doing so much talking in this episode and <laughs> getting a little, you know, we're going to be talking about rules. And, you know, it's like, I just want to share. So Stolas came and was like, they brought up the idea of doing an episode on the peasant railgun. And I'm like, oh, a rule conversation, a rule conversation. So listeners, listeners, listeners. Learn your rules. You've got to learn your rules. If you I, don't, you'll we're going to start this with sleep. peasant railgun, but this is going to lead into a conversation about rules, rules in board games, role-playing games, sports, whatever. Um, we're going to focus a lot on role-playing games. But we're going to get into board games. We're going to get into rules. We're going to get into rules as written versus rules as intended. If you're not a gamer, we'll explain these terms. Um, but first off, let's talk about the peasant railgun because it's a neat concept. So um, do you want the five-minute argument or the full half hour? It. So first off, let's just share right off the top of the bat. It doesn't work. It's stupid. It it's okay it's, good as long as we agree it doesn't fucking work okay. it yeah. doesn't work it okay so first off <laughs> listeners 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 dungeons and dragons Brian is a role-playing so game <laughs> and a lot of role-playing games based on the concept of dungeons and dragons operate the same way and in combat you have what is called a round system you have <laughs> getting into this with that with describing all the rules will be really hard but i'm going to say this the way it works in combat and D is you have a round each player has turns in their round a round counts as being six seconds long and then each player takes their turn the monsters or the enemies take their turn and then you go to the next round and it's a way of keeping track of time it's a very simple rule to keep track of time somebody came up with the idea it is the most complicated very simple rule i've ever seen in my life <laughs> that since you have a round of six seconds <laughs> you could take do you want to Ch just explain the peasant railgun stole issue since I went in. Yeah, so, so yeah, like you were saying, a round is supposed to take six seconds. And any amount of actions that happen within a round counts as happening within those six seconds, uh, as according to the game rules. Um, so the idea is you take like a thousand peasants, okay? Uh, it doesn't have to be 10,000. 
or ten thousand. Like it has a, to be ten thousand because it has of to be the ten thousand. It has to be ten thousand because of the the physics idea involved. Because they it it's supposed to be four okay. miles. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So yeah, so you take like ten thousand peasants or skeletons or whatever simple creatures you can get to follow your basic directions, and you have each of them ready the action of passing a rock or a stick that to the next person if you do it and, with a 10-foot pole it increases the length the most because right. they can stand they can stand 10 Jesus feet apart from each other right <laughs> so you you have the last person throw the object the or idea, just touch the enemy with it they don't have to throw it because it's moved so fast they don't even have to throw it i've always been told that they have to throw it but okay yeah they don't generally have to throw it they could just let go of it and it's moving so fast at that point that's why it's a rail gun right so yeah so this object is moving across like like brian said like miles in six seconds that's faster than it's not though huh it's it's not though. But right, go we're ahead. gonna get we're gonna get to that. So. I know it's just this angers me so much. The logic ahead. of the art. I'm well. I'm gonna dispel David's frustration. Just say the logic of the argument is like if if all of that was true, the hundredth peasant would die. Yeah. <laughs> well, and actually, even, I think and, I think uh, I think the yeah oh the hundredth yeah yeah the yeah you wouldn't get very far. <laughs> it's it's a mental conversation around rules. It's a really great way to talk about real world physics and game rules and the balance between the two. It's a really good example of that. It I don't think it was ever intended to be something people actually did. I think it's just a gross like a conversation exaggeration. I guarantee yeah. you it's been tried. Yeah, I'm sure things like it. You. Yeah. Well, sure, it's been tried. Just like you know, I'm sure there are bards who have actually and tried to I, like have sex with dragons. I could but... even imagine playing a role playing game where that kind of shit's intended and it makes things more fun. That mm. you bend the rules of you know, you make it a little bit crazy. Yeah, they're called but, cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> and I've played cartoony games before, and they're all right. They can be yeah, fun, but they can you be. know, with with the exception that you have to know what you're getting into. I mean, if people are wanting to play a serious game, especially the GM wants to run a serious game and players try to pull something like that, this lead can lead to frustration and arguments. But, oh, but we're I... going to tell you, we're going to tell you this, that this would not work. This, it, it breaks the rules of the game. And it there's a lot of reasons of why it wouldn't work. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. they're doing is they're combining expectations of physics with the rules of the game i think this was created as a example of why that you can't really do that well and they're picking and choosing too so so yes, example yes. like like they're saying like oh the physics applies in that like this object's moving is quick but it's like okay but you're not you're not applying the physics of the fact that 10,000 people couldn't pass that object in six seconds or you're not applying the physics that like 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 Brian said that like at about like maybe person 100, this would just rip their arms off. Like so like they're picking and choosing what physics and rules they're applying to this. Not to mention the heat generated from the object just due to the sheer air friction. It would burn the hands off of whatever was. Yeah, touching yeah, yeah. A couple so of hundred of them. We talked a little <laughs> bit about this before we started because we needed to kind of get it straight. But I shared a different concept of a rule exploit, which is a lot tamer. Um, and I know Stolas and David are all really excited to understand what this is, but... Um... Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more thing I was going to add. One more thing I was going to oh, add. Oh, sure, because sure, The sure. fact that they're picking and choosing. So let's say it goes to the last person, right? And they either touch the boss with it or they throw it. Okay. So again, 
we're picking and choosing what what physics we're we're listening to and not listening to. We're also picking and choosing what rules in the book we're choosing to listen to and not listen to. Because rules is written, there's nothing about an item moving that fast. What would happen is, the yeah, there last is person. There is. Yeah, yeah. The the whole argument uses the falling object rules. Okay, but from what I understand, rules is written is the item would get tossed to the last person, and the last person would throw it, and they would make they'd have to make like an improvised throwing weapon check. Like it wouldn't be going that fast. It, it rules I, is written. The way I understand it is the the argument against that people have used is since it's moving that fast, it would just make a crater, <laughs> and they wouldn't even need to hit them. <laughs> Well, yeah, but like the falling rules wouldn't apply this. This isn't falling. This is people passing things. So rules is written. You use the falling rules for thrown objects. Okay. So yeah, you'd use the falling rules for thrown objects, but this thing isn't falling. So again, the last person would throw it as far as a peasant could throw an item. Not very far. Okay. So if you're not using the falling rules for damage, then you're using the standard range increments and uh, on our yeah, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. arm, it does a D4 plus your strength right. when it hits. I'm, so congratulations. Again, so again, they're, they're like I said, using what rules do and don't apply. If we make this the entire topic of the episode, all it's going to do is be like, I'm just going to be saying over and over again, yes, we know it does work. Right. But I want to share another fun story about rolls exploits. This one's a lot tamer, but I know you guys are interested in it. So I'm going to yeah, talk go about... Ahead. I'm going to talk about rat cleaving. So this is much tamer. And this one actually has some logic to it. Okay. Um, but um, this is the bag of rats. So in D&D, this, this actually comes from the 3.5 edition, um, but it applies to lots of games. Um, cleave, the way cleave works is if there is an adjacent enemy, you hit one, and then you get to hit the adjacent enemy. Mm. And then great cleave, you hit one, and then you hit the next one, and you hit the next one. And one of the one of the things that thwarts Great Cleave is when enemies kind of scatter and they're not adjacent to each other. Mm-hmm. So let's say you are flanked by two enemies and you have Great Cleave. You just have a party member chuck a, open a bag of rats next to the enemies. So that they're adjacent. And then you cleave, have cleave, cleave, adjacent cleave, cleave, cleave. targets. That's fucked up. And it's that's an of, exploit. That's not a that's not a that's it, not a rule break. That's an exploit. This is I'm not saying it's a rule break. I'm saying it's an exploit. But yeah. it's an hmm. exploit that you a G, some GMs have said. Nah, it, I mean those are tiny targets. You'd have to be in the square with them. Or, you still have to roll to hit them. Yeah, but, you, you have to roll to hit them. Or, or they'll say, okay, sure. You have to make sure that you keep those rats alive. Or yeah. they'll say. You're going to have druids coming after you. I think that form of exploit, this is the reason why I brought it up, is I think that form of exploit is fine yeah. and isn't really mm-hmm. a problem unless it becomes cartoony or there's no consequence. I don't think that it's... When I say consequence, I don't think GM should punish players for doing stuff like this. No, it's but you make them pay the resources. It would take, you know, it, it takes an the action to open the bag and do the thing. They have to actually spend the action to open the bag and cast the spell. And possibly like, the bad reputation you could get for yeah, animal exactly. cruelty. And, yeah, exactly. If a bunch of people see you murdering rats willy-nilly, they're going to be like... Uh, you can go the other direction and have the consequence be that everyone wants you to be rat catchers from oh, then yeah. on. And it's a positive consequence, but... C- it, congratulations, you've started an extermination company. Yeah, there's another one. There's another one that I think is actually worse. And again, this isn't like breaking the rules. It's just kind of an exploit, sort of. I saw it on... um. 
uh, uh, like a YouTube video of this guy who goes over like rules and stuff. And so basically he was talking about, I think it's the, um, I think it's like the wedding band um, spell or something like that. Basically, there's a spell uh, uh, regarding like getting married. And what ends up happening is if you're in combat with the person that you married, um, you're like your AC is higher. And like basically it gives you like a stat boost, but it only lasts for like a week. So what this person in this YouTube video was talking about was he was like he had like a paladin who would go get married, bring his spouse in combat with him. And then about a week later, the spouse would die and he would just go get remarried. Wow. And it ends with them having like a graveyard of like wives. <laughs> wow, be interesting for a paladin to be able to yeah. do something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, really awful. I mean, Just I could see awful. a bard doing that, but a paladin? Eh, I don't think so. Well, and my yeah, guess oh. is it's a paladin spell. <laughs> it might. I, I think I'm not 100 percent sure what the spell is. I, I like I didn't prepare to like bring this up, but like. I mean, I could I could post the video like in chat or something and like we could talk about it or talk about the spell. But yeah, that's what the person does is it's like I just get married to a new person every week. So so we, we've discussed the concept of a rule exploit. So I'm going to ask a question to the table. Um, can you think of a rule exploit you have used in a game? It can be any game. Um what's what's an example i could think of i i've done like i've obviously done like the magic the gathering thing where like i've made decks that like do infinite damage or like it's or, a really like, good example have, have like infinite turns oh yeah um but like everyone kind of knows about those i would say i don't know if not everyone as, i don't know if this exactly counts as like a rule exploit but there have been cases and like me playing warhammer 40k where certain um where certain rules uh a lot, like for certain like models or whatever made them extra powerful and so i would just kind of cram like a fuck ton of them in there um where it'd be like the army doesn't make sense like it's like oh what's your army my army is literally like nine tanks like that's it yeah it's just nine nine of these very powerful tanks i think um, doing a theme like that is is a, is an example of a rules exploit it doesn't have to be cheesy right um, and so and, and but and this is the thing that actually happened like the 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 meta at one time for playing the death guard one of the armies i was playing with was literally nine of these tanks called plague burst crawlers and that's what a lot of people almost every almost every death guard player was bringing them um and then games workshop literally had to make a rule where they're like you can only have three of each model um in your army like it was called the rule of three so they like limited everything to just three except for like troops they they allowed you to bring like as many yeah, the special you units you can only have the vehicles the right. special units you can only have certain numbers of. mind you death guard weren't the only people doing this like literally every army was doing this they were taking their their like most powerful units and just spamming them like yeah. a lot and it was kind of breaking the competitive scene <laughs> yeah that's what happens when uh stuff is ambiguous for a minute I mean, there was a there was a case of Magic the Gathering where uh, someone played a, uh, a what's there's a, a spell that you play where you drop the card and anything it's touching on the t chaos orb mm, chaos yeah. orbs the card. So back when it was still legal, someone played a chaos orb. So the second game they played, uh, his opponent took out a uh, took out some masking tape and taped all his cards to the wall they were sitting next to and played from the wall. So that he couldn't <laughs> chaos orb him again. <laughs> they then, after that tournament, banned chaos. 
<laughs> That's so funny, dude. Holy shit. That's yeah, he's using, he's using balls of masking tape on his curtain sleeves and played on the wall. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, so another good. guy, an, another guy in a later game played Chaos Orb and uh, said, "I'm I'm using this card. Uh, as, it's a proxy for it." And the guy said, "Okay, that's fine." So when he come time to play the card, he pulled out a poster size version of the card and dropped it on the. Oh table. no, he fucking did not. <laughs> um, and there wasn't a rule at the time saying you couldn't do that, so he got away with it. So I'm one so I... happy you brought up Chaos Orb because I couldn't remember the name of the card. And I wanted to bring up KSR, so I'm so happy that you brought it up. Well, because there was the, the there was a set called Un, Unglued or Unhinged, where they uh, they did oh, yeah, a they bunch had, of like, joke cards, cards, and there was yeah. one of them called Chaos Confetti. And the car, the idea was is you tear the card into like 15 pieces and then confetti them onto the table, and anything a piece is touching is removed from the game. Chaos Orb um, is one of the most famous removed cards from a set. Well, yeah, from Time Twister. Time Twister is the other one. Uh, power nine. That same power nine. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah. another Lotus. one I did. Black Lotus. Well, that's part of the power nine. Yeah. Um. Well, another another wacky one I did. This was also Death Guard. Was um. So there was a point in time um where there was an ability that you could do where you could take um you could take cultists. Okay. And if they died, you could turn them into plague, uh, into basically like plague zombies. And so there was a combination of abilities where I would take a bunch of cultists. And as long as one group, I think you needed one group of your zombies to be alive, like uh, to add so that you could add the you could add to that group because there was a limit of how many you could bring at the beginning of the game. But there's not a limit of how big a unit could get after the game has started. That's kind of where the where the rule gets kind of weird. So as long as that one unit, that one original unit of like the plague zombie stayed alive, you could just keep adding to it. So what I did is uh, you would take that that unit of those zombies, you would um, do some buffs and some other things to make them untargetable where they couldn't even be hit. And then you would surround them by cultists, which are cheaper than plague zombies. And every time they died, you would just do this ability. And then before you know it, you'd have a massive like, 200 man like zombie horde now they're all one unit which means if you buff them you're buffing the whole unit so people would just stack a bunch of buffs on them now all of a sudden you have a 200 horde of zombies that are as strong as space marines <laughs> there you know but and a lot of that has to do with if you don't expect it because there's things you can do in the time they're doing the buffing to prevent it from happening and if you're right. caught off guard, then it's a wipe. But it is it I I it it definitely is exploiting the idea of it. See what you do is you deep strike in your terminators. <laughs> and uh Yeah, it was yeah, it was right as definitely. the guy's about to do the buff the buff spell, you just uh drop a drop a death pod on him and uh watch your terminators go in there and mop up. Well, I mean that that is that that was a problem that a lot of people that that the strategy did have is if people ahead of time knew what you were doing. Um, if you went first, there's really nothing they could do about it. If they if you went second, they could come in there and destroy your zombie horde, and then you're, and that's what led to people to specking to go first. Um, right? I think at this time it was actually easy to make to make yourself go first because they. Warmer 40k has had multiple rules and ways to determine. I who haven't goes first even who read the new rule set. I'm the the last time I played was eighth edition, 
They're so, on 10th now. Right. So there's been rules where it's where it's you roll off and whoever has the higher number goes first. Mm -hmm. There's been rules where it's okay. Um, you roll off to see who deploys first and whoever finishes deploying goes first. So smaller armies would yeah. go first always because they had less to put down. There were command ratings at one point which added to initiative roles and right. And then, yeah, and then there are, yeah, there are things that and there used to be things that like certain armies had a higher initiative, so you would add that to your role in it. Yeah. That there's been multiple ways to determine who goes first and not. I think now it's just I don't know. I haven't even looked at the tenth edition role. I couldn't tell you. Well, I think I'd have to double check to make sure, but I think it's like a compromise. Like, I think it's a roll off, but deploying first, maybe I think gives you a plus one. I'd have to double check. One of the things about about that kind of exploit is it's universal for a lot of games. Like mm -hmm. you're basically describing a Zerg rush in Starcraft. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, um, and there is a lot of buffing involved in that. The um, the exploit that I, I I mean, you know, all me, I, I had a lot of Pathfinder experience, but there were only a few like real exploits. Um, like we had one planned one. I had a buddy and I, we were playing teamwork, a teamwork feat build. Those are fun. And if you plan around them, you can do some cool stuff. And that's what they were designed for. They were designed mm -hmm. for you get rewarded for playing with a friend. And we had a teamwork build that we called the blender. <laughs> I think that's I know this really one. Funny. It was a double kukri wielding ranger. Oh yeah! I crit threat chance. I was oh, yeah. a earthbreaker hammer wielding fighter. Crit fishing. He had a feat that let hit worshippers of Desna. It was called butterfly sting. That yeah. you could you donate your crits if you had a successful threat. The next hit of your partner is a crit. Yeah, and you literally donate your criticals. It's crit. amazing. And the um. The other thing we put on top of it was a little thing. We all we both had combat reflexes, so we had lots of attack of opportunities, which gives us free attacks. And Not if fine. one person successfully <laughs> rolled a, th a crit, the other person got attack of opportunity. And oh the roll to success it was it was written as if you successfully confirmed a crit, mm -hmm. they got an attack of opportunity. So he would confirm the crit, I would get a free attack and attack. And it would be a crit. Yep. And then he'd get attack, and then he'd crit. You'd get an attack. Well, he and didn't crit. get a free attack. We kind of determined that was very exploity, and people would argue, and we didn't want it to be no fun, so we didn't push that. But we had so many things that gave us free attacks. Mm -hmm. But on top of it, um, he had an animal companion that counted as flanking if adjacent, and. We also had plus four on flank. We yeah, outflank. Outflank is one of the best team yeah. feats. Instead of your plus two for flanking, it's plus four. And it it also adds that like free attack if they roll a crit. That was the other thing outflank did. Outflank was very powerful. Mm -hmm. And we all had the feat that gave us bonus damage on flanking. And but the what generally happened is um, we had given the keen. Um, amulet of natural armor to the wolf so he would get the free he would get a he'd confirm a crit i'd get a free attack for the crit but because of outflank the wolf also got a free attack and a lot of the time it would confirm a crit and we would both get free attacks and then he would 
confirm a crit on his free attack, which would give me a free attack. And we had high enough dexterities that we were getting lots of free attacks. I, I think it only went back and forth twice was the highest because that Earthbreaker hammer did so much damage. And also the wolf would um would trip, which would give us both attacks of opportunity. Yeah. So what you're telling um, me is both of these characters were candidates to join the Order of the Obliterati. Yeah. One of the okay. things about those characters is people loved playing with us, not because of the exploit. People loved playing with us because of our role playing. They didn't care about the exploit. Um, we, well, but you've always been good at role playing, right? We now. came that's up with a great idea. I, it, it was unfortunate that we we got to do it a decent amount of time that it was mm. memorable. Um, he was playing a ranger who found my character who was playing a fighter, and my character used to be a member of like a Mongol horde type of thing. And he had gotten a really, really bad head injury. And he was like this like ruthless fighter who did horrible things, but he mm. didn't remember doing them. And he his intelligence was greatly reduced and he would do anything his friends said. The funny thing about him is I played him outside of the partnership uh. and my friend did it too. So I would just do everything the party said at the beginning of the game i would say my character's really dumb i play that so if you tell him to do stuff he's gonna do it to the grid of his understanding yes i love characters like that That's and great. i said this can get annoying so if you don't want me to do something yell stop and he won't because he follows instructions <laughs> um but there were lots of things like he would he was dumb, but he didn't know he was dumb. So he would try to be clever, like he would do things like he had a big ass hammer. So if he was fighting enemies on a rickety wooden floor, he would try to smash the floor. And he did that above a dock. Oh, no. Yeah. That, See, were... I think that's a great way to play dumb is like is is the person's dumb and they don't realize they're dumb because in reality, dumb people don't know they're dumb. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the dumbest people are the people who think they're smart and they're not. Well, I, 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 I did this. I tried to be as most respectful as possible because I'd had friends who'd had head injuries, and I know head injuries mm. can lead to impulse control. So I wanted to make the character very impulsive. Uh, oh, that more, makes perfect sense. Yeah. So there was that exploit, um, and then the other exploit, and this is for people who played Pathfinder First Edition, you will know of the witch is just an exploit. <laughs> no, the witch. Yeah, just the witch. Yeah, yeah. The there is a there is a kind of witch called the slumber witch, which some people ban from their tables. Um, uh, I love I love Glenda. My my witch is a yep. slumber witch. I love her um, so much. Oh, Brian, would this count as a as a exploit? Um, when you helped me make my um my cleric, and we gave her like what was it the first level of what was that class in Pathfinder? The um. Oh shoot! I'm trying to remember the class, but basically, we we she took a first level on one particular class that made it to where I could use my charisma for my AC instead of dexterity. I don't remember how we did it. Um, I don't remember how we did it. It was I remember the exploit, but it's been a long time. I remember the charisma for AC thing. Yeah, there was so another like, one that was charisma for initiative. I had one where I. Uh... I pissed off a GM so much with a character build, just playing a character class he wasn't prepared for, that uh, he no longer will ever let anyone play that class at his table again. <laughs> I, ruined, I, um, I ruined Gunslinger for him. David has, mentioned, uh... David has mentioned his friend Grant many times on the show, and mm. Grant just ended a game because uh, me and another player were playing two witches. Oh, yeah. And right, well, he no, said, you guys win. 
and we went, but there's another room we can explore. And he straight up said, I'm not going to sit here and just watch you guys put it to sleep and kill it. <laughs> and I knew that he was frustrated because one of the things about it is I didn't want to bring it up because, you know, I I'd, I'd played that particular adventure before and mm. I just went along because I knew that Grant was frustrated. But the um, the creature in the next room was a golem. And we wouldn't have been able to do the slumber trick. It, oh. I, I know, and but he was just so frustrated that he was just like, "I want this to end. Have your have your chronicle sheets. You win." Yep, that's funny. Well, that's the problem with if you're the GM and you're not having fun. It's no, no, really no. We were not we, fun. No, no, we we were going full bore. We were both playing slumber witches, and oh, we were God. just owning that game. Like, it was I play a slumber awful. witch, but. Now that she's like level nine, I don't really use the slumber as much anymore. I use a lot of her other spell casting. I still do the evil eyes, and occasionally I'll put something to sleep, but it's not the primer. And I don't want to ruin the game for people by just putting everything to sleep. So it it was it was really bad because one of the shadow um, Asian inspired creatures because it was right after they became available to play. If you got a chronicle sheet, it was okay. like. I, I don't I, remember what they're called. They're like, I don't remember they're, what like they're, called they're like Japanese gremlins. Yeah. And um that was the other witch. And wow. okay. we were both playing um Asian inspired characters because I was playing a TN, a TN Ha witch. Uh, you remember Ho? Do you remember when I used to play Ho? No. Nope. That was my um Ho I, almost never used slumber because um my whole thing was um doing the animated hair. Yeah, white hair witch was fun. Yeah, I I wasn't playing a white hair witch. I oh. just had the hex, the animated the hair. Animated yeah, hair. okay, nice. Um, I actually I had a white hair witch hair, for a while. I would use the hair to cast healing spells. Yeah, that's what you. That's the main thing yeah. you do it for. Yeah, I was a healing witch. I barely ever used slumber, and um, the other character playing the slumber witch was the one that did it all, and he was getting frustrated because there were two witches, and I didn't cast slumber once, which was hilarious. Um, but I did coup de gras with the hair at one point, which nice. that's pretty awesome. Um, nice. Another example, because I I had played two witches, and one was a slumber witch on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I played mm -hmm. a character named Glar the Headsman that was a six foot five orc with a great axe and was only a witch. Yeah, they put you to sleep and cut your head off. Yeah, and we were playing a game where all the enemies were. It was he was very low level. He was like first level, and all the enemies were undead, undead or bugs. Mm. And he never got to use any of the abilities because at first level you're very limited, and mm -hmm. slumber yep. doesn't work on mindless enemies, and yep. bugs count and undead count. And yeah. so it, I couldn't do it over and over and over again. And at the very end of the adventure, there was one live boss in the room and you and put his ass GM, to sleep and then coup de him right well, this is what how it went the gm was a very role play heavy gm mm -hmm. and started doing the monologue when we walked in the room and oh, glar no. went glar said hey you you shut up shut up don't even do that just answer my question are you alive? Yeah. Slumber. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's so great. That's good. I am Alchemist the great and powerful. Do not have good will saves. I am the great and powerful. Wait, shut up. Are you alive? Yeah. Go to sleep. But I don't go to sleep. Oh, fine. <laughs> um, the the thing I was gonna say next was um, because we haven't talked about like video game exploits. So I've been playing Monster Hunter uh, World again because they just announced uh, 
uh, they announced that they're going to be having uh, releasing a new Monster Hunter uh, next year. So, like, a lot of people are returning to Monster Hunter World. Nice. And um, there is currently this is a new thing that's happened right now. There's there uh, if you guys don't know the the game and like how it works, you're a hunter. You hunt monsters. You you carve up the monsters and use their parts to make weapons and, and armor. Um, when you're playing solo, you get a little friend that helps you out called a palico. It's like a little little cat. They're literally a little cat that wear armor and weapons and they help you out. So there's an exploit right now where if you use a certain palico gadget, which is basically like um basically your palico like uses like fireworks as like a weapon, like those attack monsters with like fireworks. The exploit is is um it's based on like a, a something wrong with the game. Like this isn't like it this this isn't supposed to work this way. There, 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 there's a thing that they need to update in the game. If you stack a bunch of explosions together, like really close together and stuff, for some reason, the damage just kind of applies like infinitely. So what they do is they'll have a monster like that they're trying to kill and they'll have it like they'll get it down or whatever. And then they'll have the Palico sit there with the fireworks to put a bunch of bombs everywhere. You need multiple people for this so that everybody can put down bombs. And basically the palico just finishes the monster off it like in one hit with all the explosions and we're talking like people have done this to kill the hardest fights in the game and it's it, it's literally called like like it'll be like fatalis pay uh palico only run the whole story made me think of baldur's gate with stacking crates and fire barrels yeah yep and so it's really funny just watching these like little cats with fireworks just destroy, just obliterate the toughest enemies in the game. And it'll be like, oh, yeah, we just killed the, the hardest boss in the game in like two minutes with our little cat. So so in this game, Monster Hunter World, you 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 hunt hunt the monsters. Yep. Interesting. What do you mean? Interesting. <laughs> He's making a joke about the name of the game. Um, yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You hunt the monsters. Oh, OK. I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd think they'd you'd think they'd give it a name that would you know imply that's what you did in the game, right? <laughs> you you would think you would you would think that in Pathfinder you spend the whole game finding paths, but that's not the case. Well, it can be depending on which part of Pathfinder you're playing. <laughs> FYI, listeners, we talk about this game called Pathfinder. The reason why they call it called it Pathfinder is because they started off as a company who made adventure paths for mm -hmm. D&D. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's actually yeah, they were they were yeah, the publishers Paizo, of Dragon Magazine and they did yeah. some dra they did some adventure paths which were multi-part adventures in Dungeon Magazine and then mm -hmm. they they branched off and started making adventure path well, books. I as, knew as that Pathfinder. Paizo, I knew that the Paizo people had done work with D&D. I didn't yeah. know that that that's where it started was making paths like I yeah the 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 first season of pathfinder society organized play um season zero was actually 3.5 dungeons and dragons yeah all the all the source books and everything were a lot of them were three five because they just did uh Pat, pathfinder didn't have the the resources it yet, out yet it was all still basically compatible for the most part so interesting okay. well the whole reason paizo exists as it does now and pathfinder is a thing is because the people that worked on it hated fourth edition and wanted to fix what was wrong with three five instead of what? redesigning thought, the wheel i thought paizo exists because they were given the they they be they were given the opportunity to make star wars insider and Dragon well, magazine. That, that that too, but I, I'm just saying it is why they as, still you know, exist. Yeah, wh why they became the thing they became instead of just continuing to create third party content for the big names. They created their own big name. Um, 
I want to take the the focus now on rules exploits. We talk a lot about how these become arguments. Mm. Why is there conflict around rules? A lot of times it's ambiguity in the rules as they're written. That sometimes things are are written to be left up to interpretation by the people playing them, and other times people try and you know, like lawyers, they try and stretch the interpretation yeah. of things as written to get as much in their favor as they can. And there's also expectation of play. Like, yeah. are we playing this game casually, or are we playing competitively, or you know? And then there's also the whole the thin gray line between cheating and just following the rules where I, I i literally there is one person who i'm very good friends with who i won't play munchkin with because their interpretation of munchkin uh, you know how in the rules the the judgment of the rules is determined by the owner of the game yeah mm. yeah that person has won because of that like they they always favor their own side because they own it. I know that's in the spirit of Munchkin, but that's not fun. <laughs> no, agreed. So what you do is you bring your own copy of Munchkin and say, no, no, we're playing with mine. <laughs> <laughs> um I have the um I have uh remind me who the creator of Munchkin is. Uh Steve Jackson games, I believe it is. I have an autograph which gives you a free reroll. I've got several bookmarks That's that do all hilarious. kinds of cool things. Yeah, yeah, I have the autographed one. And he, he'll he even make up rules and hand them to you and be like, you can use this. And like, if you if you have him do that, you, you're you mm. allowed to use them in game. It's hilarious. Yeah. The thing with the bookmarks is they actually say, I have to destroy the bookmarks. You have to rip them in half. If you kind of come in, if everyone has the same concept of Munchkin as a goofball like rules fighting game, it's fun, but if one person just wants to play a game and have fun, no one should play that way. <laughs> um, which leads me to, I mentioned Scrabble before we started recording, and I know you guys wanted to hear about this. So I mentioned that the reason why people fight in games, a lot of time it has to do with expectations of fair play and expectations of what play is supposed to be. And mm. I brought up the example to you of competitive Scrabble players and casual Scrabble players need to have an expectation of what gameplay is going to be. Or you can end up banned from playing Scrabble in your household um, because I am banned from playing Scrabble in my household. Um, too, too too many queens and uh, too many. Uh, yeah, what, or what? one thing, but there's there's another reason. Um, Scrabble played casually is people have seven letters and try to figure out what words to. That's play. how you play Scrabble. <laughs> yeah, um, competitive Scrabble, and I have played. And the Wednesday games at libraries with the older ladies and I have played, I, I learned how to play Scrabble from a linguist who played in tournaments. And I didn't think that I shouldn't use these tactics when playing with normal people um, because they just feel bad um, and it's not fun. But um, I did this. So um, competitive Scrabble doesn't play against, doesn't try to play good words or try to play better words than the other person no you're trying mm -hmm. for for maximum the score main strategy is, is triple words or don't bingos. let them play words yeah you play words Wait, that what? make it very hard not that for the other player to have options so you arrange the letters in a way that makes it almost impossible to play anything and yeah, i can not fun this, so i often compare this to billiards um uh a very common strategy in bill billiards is don't play against a person, play against the table. So you try to set up the ball to land in a way that makes it so the other person can't mm -hmm. sink anything. Like it's like impossible. Or you try to force them into a scratch. 
Mm-hmm. And um, for listeners, I know we have a lot of international listeners here who not, no, might not know billiards rules, but a scratch is when you sink the, in eight ball specifically, is when you sink the eight ball earlier, when you sink the, the um, cue ball. Cue ball. And, and there are no, not in, in, in eight ball, if you sink the eight ball, you lose. Yeah. And the cue ball is you just lose your turn. And, um, that, but, that's a scratch, is when you cue ball. Yeah. And, you know, that's not bad. But if you play against an expert who plays like that, you're just a casual player. You're not going to have fun. Um, same thing with Scrabble. So, um, so competitive, competitive Scrabble, Scrabble is not about winning. It's about it's about winning. You're, you're going to well, win the a, game. But it's not about you. It's not about you like doing strategies to make yourself win. It's about making the other person lose. No, well, that and you're also you're trying to win. You have multiple strategies, and all the strategies are not fun for casual players. Um, like it it. Like David said, lots of lots of quiz and um, zaz and stuff like that. I mean, do you <laughs> do you play for triple words or do you play for bingos? Uh, you memorize right. all the two letter words and you almost only play two letter words. That's um, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound fun. Like I agree, this doesn't sound um, like it'd be. A I fun got a trip. I got a triple triple with a, playing a single X. I played I played XI twice. Wow. Um, um, choosing which dictionary you're going to use for possible advantage, because there's lots of different Scrabble dictionaries. Um, there, yeah. Um, but yeah, I learned. So I was playing Scrabble with friends. I used to have a lot of friends playing Scrabble, and then one mm. of the players was a linguist and actually said, "Hey, come by. I'll teach you how to play Scrabble." And was like, and just walked me through all these strategies. And I'm like, "This is great." And then I started playing that way with my family, and then just like Scrabble became banned. I was never allowed to play Scrabble with anybody, and. <laughs> I went to the library on Wednesdays to play with the old ladies and they kicked my ass and they all played like that. Oh my God. And yes, bingos and stuff like that did happen because they didn't roll them out. They were still possible. But when you have two people playing that way, it's a very exciting game. But you, if like, for like, if I'd gotten invited to play Scrabble with family, I would not play that way because it's not fun when they're expecting to play casual Scrabble. Oh yeah. That doesn't sound fun at Oh, um, so yeah, I lost. I, I, I mean, I, in numbers won those games, but I don't get to play Scrabble anymore. I, I really like Scrabble and I don't get to play it anymore because of those strategies. It was poor judgment. Um, but yeah, so the attitude, I think, I think for me, my opinion is that arguments with rules have a lot to do with expectations of play. And like, if you, if everyone knows there's going to be like giant exploits going on, it's fine. I know people who quit organized play because they didn't like how legalistic it was. Um, I had, um, I ran a game once in Pathfinder that a player was shakingly mad at me because was it they, me? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> because they didn't own the game with their exploits. They thought I was targeting them specifically because oh. they were playing this way. And I went and I talked to them and they were still angry. Um, they they said, okay, we'll let it go. But they, they were angry because um, they were playing a diviner mm-hmm. and they were used to walking all over GMs with the diviner. And because I didn't let them get away with it, um, they thought I was targeting them. And the only thing I did was they were all using Arcane Eye to scout. To be able to teleport in and kill the boss right and i noticed that the minions could see invisibility so the minions saw the the eye going around and they told their <laughs> boss about it and their boss was a spellcaster <laughs> and knew what that was and yeah 
and mm-hmm. sounded the alarm when they teleported in and it was and and they were super super mad at me because they weren't allowed to get across, away with their exploit and thought I was punishing diviners and I was like no the, I don't see why you think it that way I didn't do anything wrong you're just no I'm 100% on your attention. side yeah yeah my favorite thing to do when someone comes at me with a rule that I've never heard of for a class they're playing, I go, cool, show me in the book where it says that. Because they're supposed to have the, the resources with them to be able to do that. Yeah. And if they don't, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you do that because you can't show me where it says you can. <laughs> so let's take the legalistic argument another step. Um, I have an example for you. And I I wish that we would we would have helped this poor kid. So let's talk about Bone Keep. It keeps your bones. Bone Keep was a adventure in Pathfinder Society First Edition. Ran at organized play events. It was a special event that only certain people could run. It was hard. It was not fair, and it was designed for grindy so, gameplay. So yeah, for years, players had been saying that uh, mm. the Pathfinder Society games and the things were too easy. Yeah, mm. they wanted a real challenge. So is that when so, like things like so boon... Paizo went hold my beer. So is that when things like boon uh boon bone keep and like um the what's the what was the rune one the rune lord one I know that one was also pretty hard. You know how I ran games. I tried mm-hmm. to make them fun. Right. I ran bone keep and I ran it the same way I ran any game. I tried to make it fun and I think it was. People said it was. Um, the person who died said it was, but it was the first time I ever pe- perma killed a character. You only had one? Damn. Lucky. Yeah. Last they time I ran Bone players. Keep, I TPK'd him. Um, remember the person we both know who used to work for a very popular gaming company? Yes. Yeah, that person died. Uh, uh, oh, uh, no. That would have been fun. Yeah. Um, uh, first time first time that that person played at my table. Oh, that's unfortunate. But yeah, they, no, had no, no, they had fun. They, they, they yeah. talked about it forever. Um, that's awesome. Um, so what happened with bone keep was there was a specific gm who called out a player on the role you said said show me where it says it in the book prove that you own the book mm-hmm. and the player said i own the book i don't have it with me i'm very sorry i do have my receipt and i can show it to you and the um but i don't have the pdf and i don't have a way i can download it right now but i can show you that i bought this and the player said show me where it says you can do that and he said but i heard you can i don't know I don't know where it was, but someone told me that you could show your receipt and prove it. No, you mm. can't play that character. And that's unfortunate. I told, I told that Damn. kid. I told that kid. I was like, you should have gone to an organizer because that is super strict and super unfair. Mm-hmm. And we would have told them to let you play. Yeah. And Damn. the organizer might have been like, here, here's the book. You look at it. They oftentimes had you know lots of stuff that everybody. And, people um, but that yeah. particular. That particular group of people who came and a lot of those GMs from that particular group, I don't want to badmouth a particular group, but David knows who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. um, that particular group of people came and they were running Bone Keep. They were, they were being very legalistic, but at the same time, they were changing the adventure um, to make it harder and yeah. were justifying it because the writer of the adventure told them they could. And that is not legal. Nope. There's a reason so, that, yeah, we had issues with them for other so, things, too. So follow the rules, but don't follow the rules. When it comes to things like organized That's play, weird. the rules are a lot more concrete. When you're doing a home I mean, game, yeah. you're the GM. 
what you'd say is the rule. That's the way it works. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, for we, sure. we can bring it back to the Scrabble analogy. If you play Scrabble at a Scrabble tournament, it's a lot more strict with a lot more rules. You oh, play yeah. Scrabble at home. Official challenges and all kinds of shit. Yeah. It it's not it's it's very different. There are penalties for being wrong in a challenge in tournaments. Mm -hmm. Yep. You challenge someone and they were one hundred percent right, there are penalties. There are point penalties and all sorts yeah. of stuff. Um but the uh, um Monopoly free parking rule, the the rule that everybody does, and it's home, not a home rule. game, home rule. Yeah, it's not a real rule. You're right, right. Personally, when I play Monopoly, I usually play with bingos too. If you land on go, you get five. If you land on go, you get five hundred. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that's a fun like one. one. Yeah, we do that too. Um, so okay, so speaking of like weird exploits, this gets into a really interesting conversation because I I feel like we've all brought up an example of an exploit. So like like. Your example, Brian, of the guy who's who was mad at you because you wouldn't let his character do certain things that normally other people do. Well, so, I let him do everything he wanted to do. I just didn't let him sweep well, but, the game. Right, but you didn't let him like basically walk all over you and let and let him let him basically just like own the game, right? Yeah. So that's when I was going to get to the thing of like, okay, well, what about social exploits? Basically, trying to take advantage of the social situation of gaming and to yeah. get your way so i was gonna bring up this example because you were talking about the kid who who like his rule like the rules uh, uh about like not having the the exact book and the and the um having their scene and all that <laughs> so i went to a tournament one time a 40k tournament with my ex-wife and she was playing and she was playing against a guy so he brought one of those lists where like literally most of his army was just a giant fucking fuck you tank that was like 90 percent of his points and he had one small unit of like dudes so he could claim um like so he could claim the victory points my ex-wife deduced very correctly wait a minute i don't have to fuck with his tank because that tank can't claim any victory points. All I have to do is kill his dude, and I win. So that's what she did. She focused on the dudes. Now, she was getting owned by his tank. Like, her army was getting obliterated. But she was like, all I need to do is survive long enough for the game to end, kill all the dudes, and I'll win by points. All she had to do is not get her whole army yeah. destroyed and win. Yeah, that's viable strategy. So... It got to the point where she had like maybe like one unit left and all that he had left was his was his big fuck you tank. And there was maybe like 15 minutes left in the game. And so she was like, she was, um, and if they hadn't gone to the to the final rounds yet. So it was like they were it was like turn four. There was like there was like two more rounds that could have gone. But she was like, hey, it's only 15 minutes. We're not going to have enough time for either of us to have a turn. I think we should just call it now. And the guy bullied her and was just like, no, 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 no. I promise I'm only going to take like 10 minutes, uh, blah, 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 like mm -hmm. all this stuff. And basically like kind of like controlled her into like allowing allowing it to go one more round. So but of course, the guy took like a whole 15 minutes to take his turn. He She didn't even get a chance to like have her turn afterwards either. Like he took up all the time and basically like was able to like kill her. Mm, so she that's goes, fucked up. Right. So she goes to the to the to the tournament organizer and like complains about it and he was he ruled in favor of the other guy turns out the dude was a friend of his of course and she was so mad she's like i'm never going to that game shop again and you know and and that tournament organizer lost out because he had the wrong priorities yeah. um, oh also also another thing um so like i realized because i looked back at like his list and the thing that tank he had was illegal at the time yeah. uh, he wasn't even supposed to have it that's funny it wasn't it wasn't tournament legal so like I, he did a lot of things wrong 
I think about the idea of rules and exploits, and I really, 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 really believe it has to do with a shared attitude. I had a grappler character, I think I mentioned on the show before, that I would always ask the GM, how do you adjudicate these grappling things? How do you feel about grapplers? Are you, If you agree with me on the rules of grapplers, are you okay with me playing a very exploity character who owns most combats? And... If it all worked out, I would play the character. If it didn't, I wouldn't. And it it sucked because I liked playing that character. But there there were arguments about the grapple rules because they're hard to understand. And there were people who would disagree with how I interpreted them. Most of them, it was funny because I'd keep in touch with these people. And most of them would change their mind on my side because the grapple rules are just really complicated. In right. They're a lot better than they were in 3.5. But yeah, they first edition grapple rules were quite complicated. But they were complicated for no reason. They were written weird and they were pretty easy if explained a certain way. And once you got it, it was like, wow, this is great. But generally the people who were very familiar with the 3.5 grapple rules never could grasp the Pathfinder ones. And that's because the three five was all about flowcharts. Yeah. And because you'd be like you'd be like, I grapple, I hit, and now I use my greater grapple to pin him. You can't do that. Nope. Why not? But because you 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 have to do that next round. No, I can do it now because they're mm. grappled. I have a free. I I can use my my nope. my next action to my move action to pin them. Oh shit! <laughs> it, that's and that's funny. how it works. You can totally do that. Right, like rules yeah. is written. That's how. It that's works. how greater grapple is. It, yep. It, it's rules is intended too. Yeah, you literally just pin. Oh, you you so spear them to the ground. You, you, you okay. can you can grapple them and pin them in the same round. And that's another thing, okay, to to think about too. Like, so rules is written versus rules is intended. I I always love these conversations because it's like I it's it's hard to determine what the like author's intention actually is. You know what I mean? So people are like, well, this is this is intended to work this way, and it's like, well, how do you know that? Like, I mean, obviously sometimes it's pretty clear. Like, obviously this is meant to do this, but like some people I think get really weird about it, where they're like, oh, obviously they intended this. And it's like, how the fuck would you know that? So um, let's talk about like real world stuff in game, because I actually I, I I succeeded in diffusing a very tense rule argument because of this. Um, a player uh, GM had allowed me to play my grappler and I said, I am going to I was flying at the time and I said, I am going to grapple this giant and then I am going to move them. Oh, the nose grapple. You were there, weren't you? Yeah. I, I either was there or you told me the story. Yeah, the the, so I was said, I'm going to move them. And I I didn't lift them into the air. I moved them across the battlefield. And mm. the GM said, how strong are you? You would have to lift them. And I said, you do not have to lift someone to move them. And um, they said, and they said, um, they said, yes, you do. And I said, where does it say that? It doesn't matter. That's how I'm interpreting it. And I said, okay, I want to explain it. I want to explain it. Give me your pinky. <laughs> <laughs> right and, and they said what and i said am i allowed to touch you i i will try my best not to hurt you but it might hurt a little bit and they said okay and i held on to their pinky i didn't and use drag any, them across the room i right? didn't use any special grappling tricks <laughs> it's just you have that delicate little thing and i just moved them and i said you weigh more than me i didn't use strength i moved you over here because you didn't want to get hurt that's how grappling works it's not always pain. Sometimes it's physics, but yeah. you move them. And then someone and Sandro, who was there, said, "Yeah, it, a very common thing is to like 
put pressure on someone's nose and they'll move across the room and it's you you don't you're not lifting them it's a, that's the confusion as you think that mm -hmm. i'm physically moving them so i'm lifting them you might just be using leverage and that particular gm said once they understood it they said sure because they were a very literal person that would would mm -hmm. generally concede arguments but you had to find the right language to explain it um but that's a good example of using real world logic to explain a thing not always the best point but sometimes you kind of have to because it's like the rules don't say anything about strength or lifting well someone. yeah i was about to i was about to say the problem the problem with that is then he's the reason why i i feel you had to do that is because he he was bringing real world stuff into the rules and so you're like well if you're gonna bring real world stuff into these rules then i'm gonna explain to you real world how this can work yeah and uh, there's a famous YouTube video of someone claiming you could drink a potion underwater by chugging an entire beer underwater very quickly. Mm. And I had a friend who did that in game who like convinced a GM that you can drink potions underwater by drinking things underwater because you can. You can seal your lips around the opening of a bottle. Yeah. I think the 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 game is more worried about like you open the the bottle underwater and all spewing out. Pathfinder the... First Edition has no rule that says you can't drink a potion. I underwater. know, I know. Well, well they, was, they, they specifically because... made an alchemical item so you could use a potion because underwater. the person who wrote that thought that you couldn't. It was just a mistake. Oh, okay. It was what that's exactly what happened. They thought because my argument for it was, well, then why do they have an item that says you can? That yeah, would obviously mean that you can't normally. <laughs> I know you've heard this story before, David, but you remember the um, the crossbow argument? Yes, so wait, the crossbow argument? So, please, so because David's actually friends with this guy, um, <laughs> friends is a strong word, but go yeah, ahead, yeah, um, friend is a cool. strong word. Uh oh, <laughs> so well, it was, it was. It was him and it was his friend. I don't remember the friend's name, but I think you know who I'm talking about. They were both mm. old fellas. Yeah. Um, older fellas is a better... Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So I have a rule I'm very stubborn about, a Pathfinder set of tables. And it it's not a ruling game. It's just something I do. And there's no logic behind it. But there's a little bit of logic behind it, but there's no... It's it's a pointless thing. I stick to it for no reason. It It's sort of a way to kind of establish my authority as a judge at the table. And I I it kind of amuses me a bit. And it's sort of it doesn't really affect the game at all. But I don't let people keep loaded crossbows. Yeah, for good reason. It would wear out the bow. I mean, you wouldn't do that normally. That's dumb. Um, mm -hmm. Unless you're like specifically stalking a target, you don't have a loaded crossbow. That's just stupid. You're, I mean, you shouldn't keep a loaded gun either, but I let people mm. do it. Wow. Well. Um. That's a little different, but yeah. Yeah, it's a little different, but I didn't let people have loaded crossbows, and I kind of enjoyed letting people fight it. <laughs> and David's friend oh, got man. so mad. I'm sorry I keep saying that, but I... No, it's fine. It's true. It's great. He he honestly is still kind of heated about it. So oh, my gosh. The, the same person I... Maybe I'll share this in the bonus episode, but the same person got banned from a mutual, from one of our mutual friends' um, houses. Oh my god, dude. Wow, um, okay. This guy's yeah. uh, and when I say our mutual friend, I mean all three of us. Mm. So it's not just David. I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. So, yeah, I know, uh, so I know this, I know what house, the house too. Okay, you know, yeah, you know the person Wait. who banned the person. So if you want to get all the juicy details on oh, this story, you'll have to listen. Yeah, yeah. To our bonus episode, which is available to patrons at our Patreon. 
Patreon.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was, Make what sure was, I don't forget to tell it. But What um, was his crossbow argument then? So the crossbow argument was just, you're not allowed to keep a loaded crossbow. You wait, have wait, to... wait. But what was his... Because well, you were saying that he had... Oh, like a, they were like, they were like, well, the crossbow, it's a mechanical device. It has all these things that let you load it. And I said, and I would just say, I don't care. I It's something I care <laughs> about. I, I, I don't care. And they would be like, yeah, but historically, these crossbow men would keep loaded crossbows. And I'd be like, no, nah, I don't care. I don't allow it at my tables. But the rules don't have anything about it. They don't have anything that says that I'm not allowed to say this. So you can't keep loaded crossbows. And I had other people at the table going, dude, why do you stick to that? You're so flexible with rules. You don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I, and I said, maybe I'm flexible with the rules because I'm stubborn about this one thing. <laughs> and i've had people share with me that all these like historical instances of keeping loaded crossbows it's a thing i mean they do do it and i would go sure still not gonna let it i don't know that I, I don't really care i just it's he the one so angry it was great I he was so to. angry <laughs> And him and his friend were both really mad. Oh man! But and and he hated me. He hated me for other reasons too. Um, I I'll, I'll tell that story during the bonus episode too because it's it's funny and it involves um me being accused of, of abusing an older lady, which I did not do, and David can attest to that I was not the cruel jerk that I was accused of being, the cruel drunk asshole that I was accused of being. I'm glad you didn't abuse an old lady. Drunk lady. Oh, God, oh, that was one I, hell of a weekend. All right. Yeah, that was my first time <laughs> I ever played at a convention. I got <laughs> I got accused of being this abusive asshole. Oh, that's funny. Man, yeah, it's I, a great story. Listeners, I miss... I, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of in the nutshell so you don't feel like we're forcing you to go through the paywall. But it it came down to I wasn't having fun at the table and I politely said I'm leaving the table. And the mm -hmm. the the woman who was running the game asked me why. And I said, I, I don't want to share. I just want to walk away. I'm not having fun. I think fun. I and remember said, the story. And she said, why aren't you having fun? And I said, OK. And I listed it. And the story that the person that David and I both know, I won't say friend, but the person that David and I both know, he complained to the organizers and said, I was drunk and I screamed and yelled at this lady. I know this story. Okay, and yeah. I, I was drinking, but no, I wasn't like, it was just me and two other people were very, very frustrated. And I was the one who spoke up and we all left, all three of us left. And it was because, um, she had a problem with people drinking at tables and was punishing us for it. And it wasn't cool. And we were at a convention where alcohol was allowed and we were having fun and none of us were super intoxicated. Yeah. Um, but we we had the experience that we were right. one person like, at the table. I could understand not wanting drunk people playing. But one of the person at the table would be like, can we do this? And she'd be like, yeah. And then me and my two friends would say, can we do this? And she'd just go, no. And we'd go, why? I don't care. No. And she was like that. And we were, she had changed the cool. rules of the game so much that we right. weren't enjoying it. She wasn't using initiative and we had characters that were based around using initiative. Wait, if she, if this was a society game, they, they yeah, they shouldn't have even let her run that. Hey, wow. Okay. They needed to learn how to audit their GM. So better, yeah, cause... in this story, in this story, the organizer of the game 
came to me. This was before I did game organization. Mm. She came to me and she said, what is the real thing that happened? And I told her and she said, oh, and I said, she said, why didn't you go to an organizer? And I said, because it was the last game of the night and we wanted to go to bed. And honestly, the last game of the night near the end, their organizers aren't around anymore. Most of them and I ended left. up, I ended up having a reputation for being the guy that if I wasn't having fun, would walk away from the game. And I did it several times and mm -hmm. I always took people with me. <laughs> <laughs> i had the the guy who came and ran a game at the game shop that i was organizing at and we were all not having fun and i said no this is it we're all leaving and he goes oh what do you mean i said we're walking from the table and he said well let me get the chronicle sheet and i said no you don't understand we're not doing that we're not failing this game we're not we're just ending we're sheet. done we're just pretending we never played it because we're all not having fun. And mm. this is a whole table of people is watching mm. me say this to the guy. And I'm mm. trying to stay calm, but we were all frustrated and tired. And I said, we're not having fun. We don't agree with how you're running this. We're just miserable. We're pretending this didn't happen and we're done. And he said, does everybody agree with this? And everybody said, yeah, like, because they didn't want to be confrontational. And yeah. Right, right. Oofed. And it was the conflict was because of a different expectation of what gameplay should have been. Mm. He wanted it to be kind of competitive where we were trying to win and we were all people having fun. And he and the conflict was it was a high level game and he thought high level games should be grindy and hard. And that wasn't the culture in the community we were playing at. Yep. Oftentimes, when it comes to GMs, it, it, it really is know your audience, and right. the bad ones tend to not, and that's what makes the games not fun to play. Well, I think I think it's I think it's more of like they're kind of like the audience is uh, it's not like a whole thing of like oh I don't know my audience. I think it's the thing of like I don't really care what the audience wants. The audience needs to adjust to what I want. It's a good point. And it it's sort of like when you play with a bunch of people and it every kind of everybody kind of develops the same style of game. If you're running games for another community, you should realize maybe that's not true. Maybe it's mm. different somewhere else. And mm. it it's a hard conflict to beat. But you know, today we talked about rules. And the peasant railgun is a really good example of that kind of exploit and what kind of problems it could cause, or it could be a lot of fun. But we're Right, yeah. and even though we disagree that the peasant railgun like doesn't work that way, if you and your game and you and your friends are like, "Hey, we want to run this way," fucking go ahead. Like, yeah, it don't matter. Game, have fun. Don't let us tell you how to have how how to how you're allowed to have fun. I've played plenty of games with like different levels of cartoony physics, and it can be a lot of fun. It, I, I, I played. I want to end with this because we got to move on to bonus episode. But I played. I'm not going to elaborate at all. I'm just going to say this, but I played a Marvel superheroes game where we were trying to get escape so we didn't get sucked into the gravity of Galactus's asshole. <laughs> I love uh, that. That stay, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Stay awesome, stay out of Galactus's asshole. <laughs> Wheel, 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 wheel